0: All right, want you guys turn in your bibles to exodus twenty Exodus 20 i uh i I told this i've told this before, but when my dad named me, my dad was raised by he was just, he was raised in a in a western cowboy mentality when my granddad was raising my dad right he was a cowboy mindset, and so he raised my dad to love westerns. My grandpa and my dad read Louis L'Amour western books and anything they could get their hand on. And so I remember when I got older, I asked my dad, right, or asked my mom who named me. Cord seemed like a weird name. Kids seemed to have fun enjoying making fun of me with it in school, right? So I just wanted to know where it came from. It certainly wasn't a family name. And I found out from my dad that he had read a book when and the main character in the book was a gunfighter named Cord, right? Not Cordero, not Cordova, and not Cordless, okay? But Cord, and so when Joe and I were in Bible college together, we used to scour old bookstores in the city of St. Louis, and one day we found ourselves downtown St. Louis on Washington Avenue, an incredibly rundown area, and we were in an old bookstore on like the third floor, just rifling through old books, and I found it. Owen Roundtree was the author and wrote the book, and in it, Cord was the main character. And Kord had a partner, and her name was Kai, K-A-I. And I always thought to myself, if I ever have a daughter, I'm gonna name her Kai, because she'll have a great story to tell, right? Well, I had two daughters. One's named Harmony, and one named Kana. So I lost. So I asked my sons, when you have children, and one of them has to be a girl, wouldn't this be a great story for your grandfather, grandfather to tell? And I have six granddaughters. None of them named Kai, right? And so I am desperate. Listen, if any of you wanna change your name to Kai, I'm, I'm willing, right, at this point in time. But let's be honest, names matter, yes or no? Right, they matter, right? I mean, I may not have been a fan of being cord growing up, but I'm a fan of it now, right? People ask me all the time, that's a weird name, right? Where'd it come from? And I get to tell my story because names matter. In spite of what Shakespeare said, right, when he said, what's in a name? A rose by any other name would smell just as sweet. Because the reality is, what Shakespeare was trying to convey, most of us don't feel, right? Because names do matter. They have a significance to us and to those around us. And so tonight, we're going to talk about the third commandment, right? The first one was, have no other gods before me. On the pecking order, on the pecking order, above me, there is no other God. That's it. And the second one is, don't. Worship an idol and serve it and what we found out last week was idols aren't carved images in 2024 that we build out of our oak tree in the backyard and stick on our mantle idols and idolatry are things like greed and covetousness and adultery and sexual immorality the things the things that we tend to worship and serve over God become the idols of our life and continues in exodus chapter 20 and he says this let's stand and read this one verse together as a church the third commandment moses said this you shall not misuse the name of the lord your god for the lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name you can be seated so if you're taking notes, the notes are always on the YouVersion Bible app. You can get those. If you're taking notes down, I've got a ton of scriptures. So we're going to work through these uh, so we can get out of here on time. Here's the first thing. First thing's first, right? First thing's first. Let's read some verses together. Ephesians 4. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood, falsehood and speak, say it with me, church, truthfully to his neighbor, right? For we are all members of one body. Do not... Do not let any unwholesome, that word means rotten, putrid, right? That which is spoiled. He says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what comes out of your mouth, only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, not yours, that it may benefit the person Who listens? How about this one's in Colossians 3? Paul says this, he used to walk in these ways, the the ways of our flesh, in the life that you and I once lived, but now, in Christ, we must rid ourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and say it with me, church, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you've taken off your old self with its practices and you've put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. How about this one in James chapter 5? James said, or excuse me, Proverbs 6. Go ahead. Proverbs 6. There are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. Listen to this. Haughty eyes or pride, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to run into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a man who stirs up dissension among his brothers." James five says this, above all my brothers, do not swear, not by heaven, or by earth, or by anything else, let your yes be yes, and your no, right, no, or you will be condemned. Over and over again, let's be clear, what the commandment is not limited to, right? Too many times, listen, I read over 50 articles this week, listened to over four or five preachers, and only one, went past this, only one. Everybody else stops here. That when it comes to not taking the Lord's name in vain, we limit it to, at times, you can't be cussing. You can't be swearing, you can't say GD, you can't swear, say I swear by God, right? And all of those things, that's what we limit it to. Let's be clear, church, first things first, there are enough scriptures out there in God's word that limit how you and I should speak, yes or no, right? Listen, If think about it. Try to think like an Israelite after you've left Egypt and your nation has been in bondage for 400 years, and you come out of the the desert, in three months you're standing in a mountain, and Moses goes up on the mountain, and he comes down, and he's got 10 things that God wants to tell him. Don't have any other gods, don't build an idol and worship it, and don't say GD. Now does that make any sense to you? No, contextually that's a terrible conclusion of what actually took place on the mountain. Right? He says, right, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord in vain. There are tons of scriptures that have already dictated how you and I speak. Should you and I cuss, yes or no? No, because it's unwholesome and it's filthy, right? He says this in Matthew 12, listen to these words. Make a tree good, its fruit's gonna be good. Make a tree bad, and its fruit's gonna be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. You brood of vipers, he's talking to the Pharisees, how can you, who are evil, say anything good? For out of the overflow of the what? The heart, the mouth speaks. A good man brings good things out of the good that's stored in him, right? And the evil man brings evil things out of the evil that's stored up in him. Jesus says this, I tell you, that men and women will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every careless word they have spoken, for by your words, you will be acquitted, and by your words, you will be condemned. Are we all clear, right? There's tons of admonitions in scripture about your tongue, my tongue, what we should say, what we shouldn't say, when we should say it, and how we should say it, right? We could spend the next multitude of Wednesdays talking about that, right? So let's, let's broaden the circle biblically of what it means to not take the Lord's name in vain, right? Vanity of vanities, right? Vanity of vanities. Let me read some scriptures because it says, do not take the Lord's name in vain. Everybody say the word vain, Right? There's a lot of debate, right? Listen, if you've ever tried to study the Hebrew language, it's, it's incredibly hard to do. It's incredibly hard to do. One of the things that's hard to do is understand where the Hebrew words come from. And Hebrew scholars are divided over, the, over what the root word is for vain, okay? One of the roots for vain just means futile. It means empty. It means worthless. One of the root words that scholars believe that vain comes from is the word destroy or destruction or devastation, right? Two completely different concepts of those two root words. So, what do we do? We find the word biblically and we look how it's used. Listen to these four scriptures. In vain, Jeremiah says, as he's as he's prophesying for God in vain. God says, I punished your people and they did not respond to correction. Your sword has devoured your prophets like a ravening lion, right? How about Jeremiah four? What are you doing, O devastated one, and why dress yourself in scarlet and put on jewels of gold? Why shade your eyes with paint? Why put on makeup and adorn yourself in vain? Your lovers, they despise you. They seek your life. How about Jeremiah 6? The bellows blow fiercely to burn away the lead with fire, but the refining goes on in what? vain, the wicked are not purged out. How about this one in Jeremiah 46? Go up to Gilead and get balm, O virgin daughter of Egypt, but you multiply remedies in vain, there is no healing for you. Listen, the reality is this, when it comes to understanding what the word vain means in scripture, you can read that, right? Put put makeup on, it's pointless, because they despise you. Take the medicine it's pointless, it's not gonna heal you. Go through the refiner's fire, it's pointless, there's no repentance. Over and over again, you see the word vain used to describe this action that people take and yet the results are futile, they don't happen. And the Bible says that is in vain. Doing things without a responsive outcome is vain. Listen, I could stand in the mirror before I come up on stage for an hour to try to fix this all up, <laughs> right? And it would be done in vain. It's okay if you say that's true, okay? Because there's no changing the fact that you can't hide 60, right? You just can't. And I know I'm looking at a lot of people that are 60 and are going, that's true, right? Right? The reality is there are things that we do that when there is no response, the Bible describes that action as being in vain. Listen to Malachi 3, it says this. Yeah, it's Malachi 3, I'm sorry. I'll wait for you to get it, David. Malachi chapter three. But does everybody understand the concept of vain, right? How many of you tried to exercise and not lost any weight? All right, you did that in vain, right? How many of you tried to give your very best to a relationship and it didn't work, right? Two of you, welcome to Wednesday, right? He says, you did that in vain, right? There's lots of things we do that we don't get a response to biblically over and over. You see that word in the Hebrew used, it's vain. Malachi 3 says this in verse 14, you have said it is futile, in vain, to serve God. What did we gain by carrying out his requirements and going about like mourners before the Lord God Almighty? Here's what these people concluded. Even serving God has no response, so it's done in vain. I can't speak for all of you, online or in here, but my guess is most of us have had periods where if we're being honest, we might have felt that serving God and trusting God was being done in vain because the life that we were living in faith was falling apart around us. My guess is people at times struggle with that notion. Vanity then is this idea that I do these things. I put makeup on and I get no response. I take medicine, I get no response. I go through the refiner's fire, I get no response. I even serve God and it has no point because it's what? It's vain. God says, do not take. The Hebrew word means to bear, right? To carry, to lift up actually is the root word there for take, He says, do not lift up or bear the name of Yahweh, your God, in vain. Do not bear the name of God with no point, with no results. So let's talk about this. Let's talk about what's in a name, right? What's in a name? Over and over in scripture, this is where this all lands, right? Because all of this is gonna be built on his name, right? They've come from Egypt, where they worship, they worship gods for everything. Just study the 10 Commandments, and see what God was doing dismantling their deity in those, or 10 Commandments, the 10 plagues, and see what God was doing dismantling the Egyptian deities all across the landscape. What God was establishing was, I am your God, and you are my people and he drug them out of Egypt, and he begins to try to reframe their brain to being belonging to God. Listen to what God says over and over again in scripture, and catch the phrase. Psalm 25 says this. Read this first line with me, church. For the sake of your name, O Lord, forgive my iniquity, though it is great. The psalmist says, God, so this will look good on you, forgive me. Right? Listen to the next Psalm. Psalm chapter 79 says this Help us, O God, our Savior, for the glory of, say it with me, church, your name. Deliver us and forgive our sins for your name's sake. How about this one? In Psalm chapter 106 Yet he saved them, yet he saved them, say it with me, church, for his name's sake, to make his mighty power known. Ezekiel says this in Ezekiel 39, I will make known my holy name among my people Israel. I will no longer let my holy name be profane. And the nations will know that I, the Lord, am the holy one in Israel. He says, it's coming. I'm surely gonna take, it's surely gonna take place, declares the sovereign Lord, this is the day that I have spoken of. How many of you have ever had your name spoken poorly about? How many of you have liked that? Nobody. Nobody likes that, right? I don't know what you were raised like, but my dad cared about his last name. Anybody? Said to me all the time, Right? His biggest concern was I was gonna go to town and I was gonna do something to embarrass his name. Right? And you, listen, you and I get that idea, right? Because listen, nobody wants to know that other people are bad mouthing your name. We hate that. And if you read scripture, here's what you'll find out about God He cares a great deal about His name. Somebody say, Amen. His name matters to Him. His glory matters to him. And it's tied up in who he is. Yahweh, your God. He says, do not bear or lift up or carry my name in vain. Don't wear my name for no purpose. Listen to this scripture, Malachi. As my friend said, the only Italian prophet in the New Testament, Malachi, right? (laughs) Malachi, great little, great little book. A son honors his father and a servant his master. If I am a father, where is the honor due me? If I'm a master, where is the respect due me? Says the Lord Almighty. It is you, O priest, who show contempt for my name. But you ask, how have we shown contempt for your name? You place defiled food on my altar, God says, but you ask, how did we defile you? By saying that the Lord's table is contemptible. When you bring blind animals for sacrifice, is that not wrong? when you sacrifice crippled or diseased animals. Is that not wrong? He says this, try offering those animals blind and disease to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you, says the Lord Almighty? He says, now implore God to be gracious to us with such offerings from your hands. Will he accept you, says the Lord Almighty? Oh, that one of you, would simply shut these temple doors so that you would not light useless fires on my altar. God says, I am not pleased with you, says the Lord Almighty, and I will accept no offering from your hands. Instead, he says, my name will be great among the nations from the rising to the setting of the sun. In every place, incense and pure offerings are gonna be brought to my name because my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord Almighty. But you profane it by saying the Lord's table, it's defiled, and of its food, it's contemptible. And you say, what a burden, and you sniff at it contemptuously, says the Lord Almighty, when you bring injured, crippled or diseased animals and offer them as sacrifices. Should I accept them from your hands, says the Lord? Cursed is the cheat who has an acceptable male in his flock and vows to give it, but then sacrifices a blemished animal to the Lord. For I am a great king, says the Lord Almighty, and my name is to be feared among the nations. Do you think God cares about his name? Do you think God equates his name being profaned by what these priests were offering him on the altar? Yes or no? Of course he were. It's very clear what two things God was connecting here. God was connecting their act of sacrifice and worship to God, and he was drawing this conclusion. You are profaning my name. It would be better if the doors of the temple were simply shut than for you to offer worthless fire. Then he goes on, it's one speech. Listen to what he says in chapter two so you'll get an idea of how serious he is about his name. And now, and now, after all that, this admonition is for you, O priests, the ones who are offering these sacrifices to honor the name of God, They have absolutely shown contempt for his name by offering these diseased and blind and broken sacrifices. If you do not listen, and if you do not set your heart to honor my name, says the Lord Almighty, I'm gonna send a curse upon you, and I'm gonna curse your blessings. He says, I'm not gonna curse you with another curse. I'm gonna take your blessings, and I'm gonna curse them. He says, yes, I've already cursed them. Because you have not set your heart to honor me. Because of you, I'm going to rebuke your descendants. Listen to God's harsh words to Malachi the prophet. He says, because of you, priest, your descendants, I will spread on your faces the dung, the dung, the awful from your festival sacrifices, and you will be carried off with it. Do you get an idea how aggravated God is about his name being defamed, yes or no? He says, I'm gonna take the dung, the excrement from these blind and broken animals that you dare lay on my altar to honor my name. He says, I'm gonna take their feces and I'm gonna rub it and smear it on your faces and you will be carried away with it. Do you think God cares about his name, church? Yes or no? He cares a great deal about his name. A great deal about his name. Now, let's connect this to Exodus chapter 20. Right before the Ten Commandments in Exodus 19, get a picture, 400 plus years, the Israelites, the Jews, have lived in bondage to the Egyptian slave masters. All they have known for a multitude of generations is the abuse of the Egyptians and they've known the deities of their nation. God destroys the authority and the power of these deities through these 10 plagues and ultimately consumes the Egyptian army in the Red Sea and sets them to begin their journey to the promised land. Three months into the journey, they come to a mountain. And in Exodus 19, listen to what's said to the nation of Israel from God. He says, you yourselves, Israel, you Jews have seen what I did to Egypt. I just wiped out their entire army in the Red Sea. And how I carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. Now, he says, if you obey me fully, and if you keep my covenant, then out of all nations, everybody say all nations, out of every nation, he says, you will be my, say it with me, treasured possession. Segula in the Hebrew, it means treasure, special right, diamond, worthy, but it also, also that word means that it is a partner of a pact or a treaty, right? He says of Israel, who was in bondage to Egypt for over 400 years, now that I've brought you out, you're going, bring that verse back up. He says, you're going to be my treasured possessions. You're going to be my segula. You're going to be this, you're not just going to be special to me. You're not just going to be worth all this to me. You're gonna be my packed partner. You're gonna be my treated partner. You're gonna be in this with me. Listen, I don't know if you've ever had somebody say to you, I want you to be with me. But when you get somebody who says, I wanna spend my life with you because I wanna be with you, does it feel good, yes or no? Yes, it feels great. It feels overwhelming. Imagine a nation of 400 years of being treated like like cattle, like slaves, with no value. And God says to them, you aren't just the people I rescued. You're my secular. You're my treasured, treated partner. You are my prized possession. He goes on to say this. He goes on and says this. Although the whole earth is mine. Check this out. Even though all of it's mine anyway. You are gonna be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the who? Israelite. Israelites, the same group of people that get this command, do not take the name of the Lord. Do not bear, do not carry, do not lift up the name of Yahweh, our God, in vain, without response, without the, the, um, the amenable or the equal response to saying, I have his name. He says, don't do that. To who? The Israelites. And who are thee? They're my They're my treasured possession. They're how many of you feel about your family, right? They are treasured possession. You want them to know they are special to you above all things. And those of you that didn't grow up with that treasured possession even know more than the rest of us how important it means to have that with you. Yes or no? We know that. So he gives them the command. And then look in Numbers chapter six what he says to the priest. Commands have been given, given the laws. He says this tell Aaron, Aaron's the head of the priest, right? From where it starts, he says, tell Aaron and his sons, the priest, this is how you are to bless the Israelites, my segula, my treasured, treated, or packed partner. Say to them this, the Lord bless you and keep you. You know this one. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace, right? In verse 27, can you bring that verse up, David? In verse 27, he ends this, right, with these words in number 627. We're just gonna sit and wait for David because he's amazing. Look at that, he's done. Here's the conclusion. He says, so they, the priest, will put, say it with me, church, my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. Do not take that name and carry it or bear it or lift it up with no purpose. Don't do it. Don't do it. Listen, I'm a sports guy, right? And some of you are too online and in here. And here's what you know about sports. They wear uniforms. Yes? right? And if there's a team sport somewhere on that uniform or the helmet or the hat, you will get an idea of what team they play for. But in 2024, almost every team sport out there, their uniform front may say the team that they belong to, but what does it say on the back of the jersey? Whose name is it? It's what? The individual's name. And sometimes when you watch sports, you wonder which team they're playing for, don't you? Because there's plenty of people on team sports that are playing for themselves. And the players that we love the most are players that will do anything for the name. For the name. Listen to what God says to this nation. You're my treasured possession. This is all mine. I could pick anybody I want. And out of all of those people, I pick you, and I'm going to put my name on you. For my name's sake, I'm going to give you my name. Now, don't you dare bear that name with no purpose, with no results. Do not take my name in vain. It's not about taking the name. That word take, you, will, you can research it in the Old Testament and you will find that it does not mean an utterance or a phrase. It means to carry, to bear, to lift up. He says, You are now bearing my name. So now for my name's sake, let's do this right. So, how does that apply to me and you? Listen to Matthew chapter 15. Are you tracking with me, church? Because I know it's a lot. In my head, it makes perfect sense. Okay, so if I'm not communicating it well, I apologize. Here's the good news is it's being recorded and you can listen to me over and over again, okay? Just kidding. Matthew 15. Some Pharisees and teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem, and here's what they asked: Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. They were breaking a ceremonial law. For God said, Jesus replied, and why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition. He's annoying, he answers a question with a question, right? God said this, honor your father and mother. So he's asking them, instead of you asking me why my disciples aren't washing their hands before they eat, I'm asking you, why do you break God's law by not honoring your father and your mother? Because you say anyone who curses his father or mother must be put to death according to the law, right? But then he says, but you say, if a man says to his father or mother, Listen, whatever help you might have received, otherwise received from me is a gift devoted to God. He's not to honor his father and mother with it. So mom and dad, you need 100 bucks, guess what? I've already devoted that 100 bucks to God so I can't honor my father and my mother. Got the picture? He says, thus, you've nullified the word of God, which is honor thy father and thy mother, for the sake of your tradition, which means this is holy to God, I can't give it to you. He says, you're hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied this about you. These people honor me with their, what? Lips, but their hearts are far from me. Listen to this, read it with me, church. They worship me in the Greek here, In the Septuagint, right, is the word used to translate the Old Testament Hebrew word vain. He says, they worship me in vain and their teachings are but rules simply taught by men. So how do you and I keep the command to not take the Lord's name in vain? First Peter two says of us that we are a royal priesthood. We are a royal nation. Holy, set apart for God's purposes. Somebody say, "Amen." Right? You and I have taken on His name. Yes or no? He's ours. That name means everything to us. Amen. We now bear His name. And how many Christians profane the name of the Lord their God because they wear it with their lips but their hearts? are far from him. In vain, they worship him. There are a lot of people who want to wear the jersey and who want to be on the team. But in their actions, they're laying blind and crippled sacrifices on the altar and claiming they're worshiping God. He says, I'd rather you just shut the doors of the church as opposed to dishonoring the name of the Lord your God. The name of God means everything. The name of Jesus means everything. The Bible says in Acts 4.12, there is no other name given under heaven by which men can be saved. Do you think the name of Jesus means something, church? Yes or no? The Bible says that the name, right? At the name of Jesus, every knee is gonna bow and every tongue's gonna confess that Jesus Christ is Lord of all. Do you think the name has power, church? Yes or no? And if you're a Christian, if you have accepted Jesus online and here, let me hear you say amen. He says, you now bear my name. You and I are now his treasured possession. Are you wearing the name in vain? Are you simply honoring God with your lips, but your hearts are far from him? That is the violation of command three, to not take the Lord's name in vain. Proverbs 1.8 says this. Actually, that's not right. It's, it's um, Proverbs 18.10. I'm sorry, David. I just now looked at my writing and went, that's terrible, all right? It's Proverbs 18.10. I just wanna show you how this plays out just for, just for a minute. Everybody read this with me online in here. The name of the Lord is a... The, the, how many of you already knew that verse? All right, what an awesome verse. Amen, church? The name, did everybody say the name? The name of the Lord is the strong tower, right? It's the strong tower. That's the strong tower, the name of the Lord. And guess what? When you feel unsafe, righteous people should run to it. Let me ask you a question. How strong of a tower do you you think you're building in your homes right now by the way that you honor the name of the Lord? Have you created in your homes, or in your friend circles, or in your ministry circles, or in your mission trip circles, or just in your neighborhood circles, have you created a strong tower by the way that you've honored the name and made it a place where people who feel unsafe will run to it? Or have you so violated the third commandment by honoring God with your lips and keeping your heart from him that the people you know who feel unsafe would never dare run to the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the violation of the third commandment. And based upon the way our world is responding to the gospel, we've probably got some work to do. The way families are responding to the gospel, we've probably got some work to do. So Paul says this, In Colossians chapter three and verse 17, whatever you do, whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, covers it all, do it all, say it with me, church, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. The way you honor the name of the Lord, the way you honor commandment three is that in everything you do, You bear his name for purpose, not in vain. That's why those things matter. All of those things that God says get rid of, they matter because they all reflect on his name. Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they might see your good works, not hear your good words, see your good works and glorify your Father who's in heaven. You wanna honor God in the third commandment? Stop putting garbage on the altar of your sacrifice. God deserves the best. So then whatever you do, in word or deed, you do it all in the name of Jesus. said, I'm gonna ask you to stand, we're gonna read this last slide together as we close, because I think this sort of sums up everything that I feel like God wants to say about commandment number three. Everybody online, everybody here, let's read this together. At the deepest level, use of God's name is a matter of mission. Let's say it one more time. At the deepest level, use of God's name is a matter of mission. Listen, it matters to God how we honor his name. Amen, church. So Father tonight, help us to understand the absolute practicality and relevance of this command in our world today. People need Jesus. They need Jesus. And if your name is a strong tower, then those of us who represent your name, who bear your name, should not live a life that makes that name impotent or powerless or pointless. Convict us to honor you that way we pray in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless your church. We'll see you next week.